Have you had a good day? Yeah? I've had a good day. I'm, um, I'm tired of hearing my voice, but I've had a good day. Gospel of Luke, I've been sitting in there for a couple years uh, doing some teaching at the chaplaincy, and we started a small group at our house called Soup and Luke. So we have soup, and then we look at Luke. That's why it's called Soup and Luke. Uh, and I also, I also taught the Gospel of Luke for a Diploma of Anglican Studies program, which is kind of ironic, seeing I'm barely Anglican, but they got me to teach, and it was all, it was all good. So I've been sitting in here for a while, and there's like certain passages that they keep, yeah, they just keep coming back to me. And this, this is one of them. Um, this Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it's the beginning of a new section in Luke. Um, and, and it says, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. And so from 951 to about 1944 is this section that takes place as Jesus is headed towards to Jerusalem. Sometimes it's called the travel narrative, and it mostly takes place in Samaria, that place that's in between Galilee where he was and Judea and Jerusalem down here. So he's traveling in this area. Uh, Eugene Peterson has a wonderful book called Tell It Slant. And he uses this section, um, and he uses that, that traveling through Samaria as kind of a metaphor for our lives, that place where we're not really welcome, barely tolerated, and in some places, it's downright uh, hostile. And, and he talks about how Jesus communicated in that setting. He takes some of the parables. This is the section where, where Jesus' greatest hits are found in the Gospel of Luke, you know, the Good Samaritan, the prodigal son, it's, it's in this section. And this is the very beginning of it, where it says, he set his face toward Jerusalem. And everything that takes place from this point on takes place in the shadow of the cross. It takes place in the shadow of the cross. And so they're getting ready to go into Samaria. Now, Samaria... Uh, is a place where, where Jewish people often avoided. There was some bad blood that went back hundreds of years, and the Jews would look at the Samaritans, first of all, as heretics, but also there was literally bad blood between them where they had done some, they'd killed each other. Um, the Jews uh, took care of their temple uh, a few hundred years earlier. They destroyed the temple that the Samaritans had on a mountain there, and uh, and I believe at, at one point, the Samaritans had killed some Jews that were traveling through Samaria to go to Jerusalem. So little, little tension there um, and a little danger there as Jesus heads through Samaria. And so he sends some disciples ahead to kind of prepare the way because he's going to go to a village and he's going to do what he did, which he went to a village and he healed people and he preached the good news of the kingdom and so he sends some disciples ahead, and, and they kind of get rebuked. They get denied access. They get that phrase, we don't want your kind around here. And they go back and tell Jesus, saying, looks like we're not welcome. Well, James and John are very offended by these Samaritans, these heretics. And they got a brilliant idea. And so they go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and kill them all? Because we'll do it. We'll do it. 
And Jesus says he rebuked them, just shook his head. There's some translations, there's some older uh, translations that throw another phrase in there where he says, you know not, you do not know of what spirit you are, which probably wasn't in the original text. He just rebukes them and they move on. Short little section, but there's some stuff in there that, I, that I've been thinking about and they, they come to my mind. And the first thing that I kind of like about this passage is that James and John thought they had the authority to call fire down from heaven. Their experience of the kingdom was so real that they said, Jesus, you just give us the word and we will call fire down from heaven and we can do it. I like that. Now, now, you know, not the fire, fire stuff and the killing stuff, but I like the fact that they actually thought they could do it. That that was their life for the last few years. The kingdom of God was so real and so tangible that they thought, we can do this. Is that your experience of the kingdom of God? Now, you might have wanted to call fire down from heaven on some people, but is, is, is our experience of the kingdom of God so real that, that when we're, we're confronted with something, we, we think almost supernaturally? Jesus, just give me the authority. I can, I can do this. I'm guessing it's probably not. <laughs> Maybe it is, but probably not. And sometimes our first response when we encounter difficulties is not, the kingdom of God is here, let's act as though it's real, and let's live in that reality. We kind of come up with other ways, more manageable ways of dealing with things that actually don't necessarily even need God. kingdom of God is that tangible. And, and Jesus' message in the Gospels is that he, he talks about the true nature of the kingdom. He, he reveals the true nature of God, the, the heavenly father who sees what's in secret and who, who loves and, and you need to be afraid of, but you don't need to be afraid of because he knows every hair on your head. And, and he kind of gives this picture of God and of the kingdom. And then the ethical statements that Jesus gives are ways to live as though the kingdom is here now. As though the kingdom is here now. We live as though that's true. It is true, sure. It's still future as well, but it is true, and we're supposed to live as though that is the reality. And so we live as though we are sons and daughters of the king with that kind of authority. And we treat each other as though we're brothers and sisters. I don't remember um, what stories I've told at this point. It's kind of jumbled in my mind. So if I tell the same story that I told somewhere else, just pretend like you haven't heard it. And go, wow, that's amazing. I was in... I was passing out flyers for a Bible study once and we had prayed ahead of time with a group of people 
And we're just praying, saying, Lord, I pray that everybody who gets one of these flyers would come to this Bible study. Pray that everybody would come. And I was with this group of people. And this, this again, was in Amsterdam when I was with David uh, Pierce. And so we're, we're, we're doing that. We go on Central Station. We pass out these flyers. But then the group... The group goes, oh, no, we need to pray. We need to pray. Wait, we need to pray because we don't have enough room. We passed out a 1,000 flyers. We better pray that God brings only the right people. Otherwise, all 1,000 people are going to come because we prayed that people who received the flyer would come. Now, I think that's a little goofy. But for that person, God answered prayer. God answers prayer so tangibly that we better be specific and we better make sure we have enough room on the boat. I thought it was weird at the time. I still remember it. Because for that person and that group of people, the kingdom of God was real. It was just real. And prayer in the kingdom was, was just asking God to do stuff, and then he does it. I think it's good that James and John thought they had the authority that kind of authority in the kingdom. And, and my prayer is that, that I'll kind of get there where the kingdom of God is so real and so tangible that that's kind, of, that's kind of my response. Second thing, though, and I find this encouraging and troubling at the same time, James and John at this point had been with Jesus for a couple of years at least. This is towards the end of his ministry as they're headed towards Jerusalem. They were with Jesus, heard all his teaching, saw all his miracles, spent all that time with him, and they still got it wrong. They still got it wrong. They were wrong to want to kill their enemies. Let's just make that plain. <laughs> they were wrong to want to call fire down from heaven. Even though they spent all that time with Jesus. And we can look forward even to the book of Acts and see the church even after the Holy Spirit comes and they kind of understand the big picture. They still have it wrong a number of times. Oh, you mean Gentiles allowed in the church? We didn't know that. <laughs> Let's keep them out. They still got it wrong. When I want to make a decision... You know what I want to do normally when I have to make a decision? I just want to go walk on the beach by myself and pray. I can, because then I'll know what to do, right? So I just need a time to pray by myself, and then God will give me the answer. I think it's really important to walk on the beach and pray. I know you guys can't walk on the beach, but <clears throat> you don't live in New Zealand, and that's your fault. <laughs> I can walk on the beach almost always. I can pray and I can seek God and I love those times. But you know what? I can spend hours and hours on the beach praying. I can fast. I can do all this stuff and I can still get it wrong. I think we need to realize that. I don't know if you've ever had somebody come to you and say, well, no, I've prayed about this. This is the way it, it should be. And you're like, yeah, but you're still wrong. <laughs> and when we use those God words, I've prayed about that, it just shuts everything down. I mean, well, that's, I guess this is what God's saying there. You prayed about it. I guess we have to do this. I think we need to be careful. And I think we need to realize, we need to have some humility to know that just because I prayed for 30 hours straight on an issue doesn't mean I always get it right. 
That's why we need each other. That's another reason why we need each other. Because often I need somebody else to correct me and say, yeah, Mark, I know you fasted about this and prayed, but I think you're wrong on this. We, we, need, to, we need to talk about this some more. And we need that as individuals. And you know what? We need it corporately as well. Churches need other churches. Because we, we kind of, we're all going to get our theology corrected when we stand before God. All of us. There's a good chance that all of us in this room right now are not correct about something about God and his kingdom. Maybe Bill's got it sorted, but I think most of us. <laughs> How does that make you feel? You mean something that I think right now about God might not be right? Yes. <laughs> and I need other people to help me. And sometimes we isolate ourselves as individuals and sometimes we isolate ourselves as churches and sometimes we isolate ourselves as denominations thinking that we don't need other groups. And I think it's sad. I think it grieves God. And so we have denominations making decisions about important issues. My church in New Zealand is making decisions about important issues and I'm pretty sure we haven't gone to the Baptists and said, we're, we're sorting this out. What do, you, what do you think about this? What do you think about our conclusion about this? Does this sound accurate? Now, I know I might be naive. But what if we did that? What if we really saw ourselves as the body of Christ? Cross-denominations. And what if we realized that we need each other? We need each other to, to, for correction and for encouragement because we don't always get it right. We all have blind spots and we can't see them. That's why they're called blind spots. And we need each other. So maybe this, maybe this is a, a bit of a, a confrontation for some of you who, who use those God words. I went and prayed about this. This is what I have to do. I know there's times where you got it spot on. I think we need to be careful when we use those words. And we need to approach it with humility. We need to be willing to listen to each other. We need each other. Well, last thing I want to say about this text is that responding to insults, to hostility, even to doctrinal heresy with anger and violence is not endorsed by Jesus. Never has been, and I don't think it ever will. Judgment is his responsibility. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, right? We leave it to him. Coercion, trying to force the kingdom of God on anyone, 
is really not an option. You know, we see this story and we see kind of Jesus rebuking his disciples and then we followed in the footsteps of James and John for a few thousand years if we look at our church history. And when we've been confronted with hostility, our response at times has been, let's kill them all. And we've done it. Getting my way through force is not an option in the kingdom of God. It's interesting. I was reading in Revelation in my quiet time this morning, and I read chapter 13, and, and one of the, you know, the second beast in, in, in Revelation 13 has the power to call down fire from heaven. I thought that was really interesting. I mean, that's antichrist? No. It is in Revelation. The end never justifies the means. We might try to do something for the sake of the kingdom, but the end does not justify the means. The way we do things matters. The way we do things matters. <clears throat> I talked to a guy in ministry once, and he was talking about his ministry and you know, some of the stuff that he's done. He said, well, I had to crack a few eggs to make the omelet. He was talking about people who got hurt along the way of him accomplishing his great vision for the kingdom of God. People are not eggs. We're not even making omelets. The way we do things matters. How we treat people matters. When I first started out in ministry, you know, I, I, I wanted to change the world or die trying. We even wrote a song. Our band used to play that. Change the world, die trying. That is the fate I choose. With a lot of screaming. <laughs> but I had to learn along the way that my team was as important as the vision how we did things mattered. And you don't accomplish the vision at all costs. Jesus could have let James and John do that. They could have called fire down from heaven. It would have, it would have eliminated that opposition and that rejection. Maybe it would have paved the way for the kingdom of God to come. But Jesus didn't do it. Later on, as we read in, 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 was read in Mark, they, they come to Jesus, James and John. They're convinced they're on their way to Jerusalem to set up the kingdom. It's going to happen right here and now. Jesus has been telling them the whole time, three times fully in the Gospel of Luke, about six times, it's at least alluded to, that actually we're going to suffer and die. <laughs> And they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get it. They think they're going to Jerusalem to set up the kingdom. And so they approach Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, we want positions in the cabinet. We want to sit the right and the left. And Jesus looks at them and says, can you drink the cup that I have to drink? Can you go through the baptism that I have to go through? And, and they say, yeah, we can drink the cup. We can drink it, of course. And Jesus looked at them and said, actually, you will drink the cup 
You will drink the cup. But it's not for me to determine who sits where. And then he gives them a lesson on what a leader in the kingdom is like. And it's a servant. The way we do things matters. And them going through Samaria at this time and being rejected and facing opposition was actually a cup that God was giving them to drink. He said, here, drink this cup. Experience this rejection. Experience this opposition. And don't get big and strong and call fire down from heaven. Just drink it. God has a cup for all of us to drink. And often when, we, when we're like handed that cup and it comes in the force, form of a person <laughs> and we want to call fire down from heaven on them. We want to call fire down from heaven on them. And we want to get big and strong and try to control and try to manipulate And God wants us to just drink the cup. And it's really hard. Another text, Jesus talks about a mountain. And if we had enough faith, we could say to the mountain, be going to the sea. I don't know why you need a mountain and a sea, but Jesus said, go into the sea. And if you, if you believe, it'll happen. And I mean, I kind of I think of those things as, as, as metaphors where, where there's times where, where God has given me a cup and actually I think it's a mountain and I'm trying to throw it in the sea. So I take the cup and I threw it in the sea with great faith. And then there's probably been other times in my life where there's been a mountain and I thought I was supposed to drink it. It's hard drinking a mountain. So how do we know the difference? How do we know the times when God is, is giving us this opportunity to suffer and to drink a cup? And how do we know when actually this is a demonic thing that God wants us to cast out, throw into the sea? I don't know. I don't know always anyway. I'm pretty sure though that in order for us to tell, we have to know God. It has to come out of intimacy with God so that he can give us discernment to know when is it time to oppose evil and when is it time to drink a cup of suffering that God has for us. I know for some of you, maybe this, none of this makes sense right now, but it might. It might someday. James and John's response to call down fire from heaven is not the way to go. And I said, whether it's insults or hostility, opposition, even, even doctrinal heresy. And I think sometimes in our passion to get it right, we draw the circle smaller and smaller and smaller and pretty soon we're the only ones 
in the circle and everyone else is a heretic. We call down fire from heaven on all the heretics in those denominations that aren't ours or in those churches that aren't ours. I'm not sure that's the way forward. I'm not sure that's the way forward. Jesus exhibited powerless power. He headed through Samaria. He got rejected there, not everywhere. And he went to Jerusalem, and he got rejected there, not by everyone, but by the people that mattered. And he gave his life. And by giving his life, seemingly powerless, he defeated the enemy. He displayed great power and he set us free. And we're called to walk in his footsteps. Walk in his footsteps. This powerless power. I find in the Gospel of Luke that the people that are welcomed by God always are the ones that show humility, the ones that have no power, the ones that are on the outside. I belong to a denomination that their greatest temptation is the temptation to power. Started with Henry VIII. I don't know if you know the story. Wanted to get his marriage annulled, his marriage of 20 years. The Pope said no. And he said, all right, we're breaking away from the church. Power play. Eventually, there was some theological reform. But in the beginning, it was a power play. It's in the foundation of our church. And I see it. I see the temptation to want to get the power so that we can make the kingdom of God happen. And we have that here also in the church. We can just get the right people in office and get the power. We can make this a Christian nation again. I'm not sure that's the way forward. So I think the power of the gospel in this world is powerless. Great power in the kingdom. But the answer is not to call fire down from heaven. The answer is to turn the other cheek, and to love, and to believe, and to suffer when we need to, to drink the cup. My guess is that some of you here tonight have, have relationships right now that, that might not be um, what you want them to be. Maybe it's roommates, maybe it's family. And I think there's probably times where you really want to call fire down from heaven. And I get that. I really get that. But it just might be possible that God has brought those people into your life so they can be a cup that you drink. And it'll change your character. I said this to some people earlier today that, that some of the people... In our lives, you know, I said I, I can be really holy when I'm all by myself. 
I'm incredibly holy when I'm all by myself and I don't have to deal with anybody. But when I have to deal with people, the ones that kind of want to make me call fire down from heaven, that's an opportunity that God gives me to shape my character. And it's impossible for me to be holy without them. I need them in my life. I need those irritating people in my life. I once had a revelation, though, that I'm probably that irritating person for somebody else. (laughs) So are you. (laughs) Now, it doesn't mean we try to be that person, but we probably are. We all need those people in our lives to help shape our character. So drink the cup. Don't call fire down from heaven. Drink the cup. Let's pray. God, it's it's such a privilege to be with this group and to, to see so many people that are hungry for your kingdom, hungry for you, who want to who get it right. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you would teach us humility. Show us where we need other people in our lives. And give us courage, Lord, to, to show grace to people. And give us courage to, to drink the cup when you, when you give it to us. We need your help, Lord. So I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Should we do night prayer as good Anglicans? Okay, Mark, let's do night prayer. All right, if you want to. Lord, it is night. The night is for stillness. Let us be still in the presence of God. It is night after a long day. What's been done has been done. What has not been done has not been done. Let it be. The night is dark. Let our fears of the darkness of this world and of our own lives rest in you. The night is dark, the night is quiet. Let the quietness of your peace enfold us, all dear to us, and all who know no peace. The night heralds the dawn. Let us look expectantly to a new day, 
new joys, new possibilities. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would like prayer for anything that's going on, um, you can come up here, and I'm sure the prayer team will materialize out of nowhere and pray for you. And I would highly take advantage of that. You probably don't even need to have a problem. If you want a blessing, I'm sure they would bless you. So you can, um, they'll be up here. Uh, otherwise, go now to serve the Lord. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.